Hi, everybody. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. Episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. This week, Mandy Thompson, founder and CEO of Digital Reach Online Solutions, joins the show to talk about both her approach to building a globally distributed team and her big bet on making productized service offerings at the complex end of HubSpot services like API integrations and ABM campaign setup. Starting with her team, Mandy shares her approach to building global teams that may be different from other firms who employ folks internationally. She shares the human-centric principles the team anchors to, her methods for establishing a company culture, and how she drives accountability across the team. From there, we talk about Hub Club, her team's platform for productized, self-service HubSpot services. The difference, though, is that through Hub Club, Mandy's team executes more advanced technical tasks through the platform, a contrast to the normal rinse-and-repeat style of productized offerings. She shares how Hub Club is operationalized to be able to offer these services in a scalable way, and how she factors in the technical consultation, business analysis, and change management functions required. Let's close out the year strong with another episode of Agency Unfiltered. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us here. You betcha. Thanks for coming on. Um, where are you in the world? Why don't we confirm? Let's let's geolocate everyone before we get in. <laughs> oh, well, um, I'm based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, actually uh, Corrales, which is like a small incorporated town on the edge of uh, uh, Albuquerque, where our claim to fame is that we have the most horses in New Mexico. So we've got that there going go. on here. So not uncommon to see someone riding their horse down the street. <laughs> now, I don't know the Venn diagram of Agency Unfiltered fans and Breaking Bad fans, but have you ever been to yeah. the uh, house where he threw the pizza on the on the garage or on the roof? Okay, so I'm going to say while there are the um, RVs and you can do the tours, I <laughs> have admittedly not done the tour because I just get to live the like when you watch Breaking Bad or you watch Better Call Saul, which I personally prefer. However, thought they both were great, but you look at that and you're like, wow, how did Albuquerque's really uh, or how did Albuquerque like capture the 90s so well? And it's like, yeah, that's just what that's how Albuquerque is, which is part of why yeah. I love it. It's very nostalgic. We just everything just kind of looks like the nineties still. And it's great. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So you don't need to do the RV tour. You, yeah. You, I mean, you're, you probably know all the spots anyways. You could probably do your own. Yeah. No, tours. Yeah. Like, yeah, twi- like, like Twisters living. is, yeah. Like Twisters is uh, El Pollo Hermano. So I have, uh, I have driven by the one that is used in the, uh, in the show for, uh, for um, Gus's restaurant. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. In a lot of recent episodes, we've been talking to partners, right? The calendar of 2022 is coming to a close. Uh, therefore, a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts have been put to, well, big bets uh, and what 2023 may have in store. Um, thematically, coming out of inbound, right? There's a crisis of disconnection. We're trying to support the age of the connected customer. There's a lot of different things to consider here. 
What is your team's big bet for 2023? I think that there's kind of a broad, like, you know, looking at this from a broad spectrum and then uh, narrowing it down. But to me, the big bet is functionality, right? I think that um, when we look at Hmm. the disconnection crisis, it is, it's a functionality crisis and that's the functionality of teams and the tool. And so when we talk about the big bet, it's always been our bet, but we're leaning into it in new and very exciting ways is being able to deliver on functionality because I think personally, we will continue to see budgets be cut more and more and more. And all of us in the last sure. you know, three to six months have certainly experienced it. Anyone who says they haven't, um, I just would, I would be very curious what they're doing that they haven't experienced these things. And so, um, you know, you see a lot of companies like as we're hiring, there are a lot more um, HubSpot, C, uh, you know, CMS uh, people available on the market, right? Because people, when you don't have as much budget, why am I going to redo my website? Right. So I think it really comes down to functionality. And so can your team deliver the function of HubSpot based on just actually being able to deliver at scale Can you adjust to where pricing is going to be? And do you have the minds, not the, you know, and no knock, but a slight knock because, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, like, you know, rev, you know, revenue operations and the consulting around that. I do see the value. I, I do have some things that when I look at that from an agency perspective, are you too top heavy? Meaning a lot of your revenue is reliant on these minds that you want people to pay really high rates for and number one outside of SaaS and some you know technology companies do people even have a RevOps function but number two like what's going to be the first thing to go is it going to be that $30,000 a month you're paying for this person who who is consulting you or is it going to be you know are you going to cut that or are you going to cut somebody who can actually go in build your system, make it work, help with the connection crisis in a very functional way, leave your own team capable to handle that with the people that you have at a much more reasonable rate than you're paying consultants. And, Mm -hmm. you know, can your team also solve the problems that really bring the ROI of being able to reduce the load that you're putting on the headcount you have left? Because when all these companies reduce 10 to 20% of their staff, they're not reducing 10 to 20% of the work. And those, you know, we look at it as a grand number, but it disproportionately falls into certain departments like marketing, right? And so like customer success. And so how do we allow those people to reduce in a very meaningful way, manual work that they're doing, generating the data for better decision-making and for a better customer experience, because they're going to need more retention expansion. We all know that if you're overly reliant on new business in a recession, you're going to run into hard times. So I think the big bet is functional and how we're delivering on that is making functional available asynchronously and making it available Mm. affordably by really having the processes, systems, and training internally to be able to have people deliver efficiently. Because I think one of the hardest things that any partner you talk to probably would say is delivering um, complex solutions that are different for each and every business at scale and with efficiency is hard. Of course. And it's, it's, uh, it almost feels like those two things, oftentimes, historically, they may be uh, a contrast with each other, right? Highly technical minds, uh, complex technical solutions, right? Highly functional systems uh, delivered and built at scale, 
building the methods for reducing manual work of the frontline user, for having hygienic data, uh, and doing all of that, uh, offering that as a service, but doing so affordably, uh, right? I, I can imagine that's that's fairly difficult. Uh, and again, sounds like there's some things in place for this team, uh, uh, team team uh, building oriented, uh, go to market oriented. There's some things that that you're putting into place to, to help make that a reality, which is uh, I'm excited to talk more about. Um, let's go back, uh, Mike, to the seed you planted. Uh, uh, you obviously have a global team. You're emphasizing the global team. You're, you know, uh, you're doubling down on that as a means to help realize this big bet. How would you two describe your approach to building a global and distributed team as compared to uh, other services providers, other agencies, other partners that may be looking to do the same? The number one thing you have to do if you want to succeed in a global team it, with a global team is that you actually have to believe in, respect, like, and, and integrate the culture and value of the individual. I think that all too often, and I feel like this is, it's a word we have to use in some of our financial discussions. And I may sound very hippy dippy here, but that's okay. Anyone who knows me, it's kind of hard to hide that, but I don't this like podcast people... is hippy dippy safe. This is a hippy yeah, dippy safe right? podcast. It's, yeah. We're, we're good here. So, um, I don't like calling people resources, right? Or like the offshoring. And it's like, well, that's like, they're still people. They're working jobs like you and I. They have the same cares and concerns in their world. They want to take care of their families. They want to learn and progress as human beings. They want to know that they have secure, security and stability. They want to be seen like all of the same things that we see here. Like this is not something that is US only, right? Like every human being in the world, no matter where they are, wants that. And so- like actually, you know, the background of that is that, you know, between my partner and I, who is, you know, she's my wife and she, you know, she and I uh, co-founded this business together. Like we have both spent a combined, um, you know, I don't know, 16, 18 years living in various countries. I mean, she did her undergrad and played professional soccer in Prague back in 2004 when nobody spoke English. Like she has that experience. Her and I met in Thailand. Like we have been and spent time in all of the countries besides Colombia, we need to get there that we have team members in. And so as human beings, we have, uh, we, we intimately understand the importance of culture. And so I think a big part of having success in this is that you have to understand the values and what's important. Do little things like everyone, which can be a little hard to coordinate at times, but you can do it is like everyone gets their own holidays, right? Like, Christmas isn't celebrated everywhere, right? Like that doesn't matter to everybody. So if you're going to have, yeah. and to some people, it matters a lot, right? Like I'll give an example, our Philippines team, we started, you know, in the beginning, we only had Philippines team members and like, yeah. you know, extraordinarily, like just, I cannot say enough good things, but we could never get the team to take their PTO, but they all wanted Christmas to New Year's off. Like that was the most important thing. We now do a global week of rest that week. Cause I mean, it makes That's sense. Right. And it's yeah. like, well, if this is the only time you want to be off and that we can get you to take PTO, then like we will just shut down for that week and keep an eye on the things we have to, but give that time. So I think that making those things, you know, every time there's a holiday, you know, that we celebrate that in Slack. So we take the time to understand one another. And so I think just like we talk about psychological safety in work, like cultural safety, right? And like different yeah. values. And I think this is where Mike can 
you know, like for example, right now in the US, everything seems, and I can't speak for everybody, like everything is very like wage driven and independent. And I get it with where the US economy is at in our culture, but you go over to South Africa, you know, there's there's a very different value system for like everyone not saying you you know South Africans don't want to make money or get paid more, but that is not the biggest driving factor. You know, it's it's a really interesting point. I think right at the top, many you had mentioned like, hey, listen to turn you know oh, offshoring, right? And I'm sure that uh, having a, a team distributed outside of the U.S. Uh, can help with the cost of delivery, um, but that's mm-hmm. not to say we want to discount the cultural differences and like respecting the individuality and the nuances of all the folks across our distributed teams. Right. Uh, and you'd mentioned, you know, cultural safety uh, and psychological safety. It's like, well, respecting the the unique nature of each person's culture is actually a conduit for psych safety. Right. And, and that would foster yep. a better culture and, and a better sense of belonging across the team. I'm, I'm sure. Um, well, yeah. Which I love. When you said, yeah, go ahead. yeah. And- yeah, when, well, when you set it up, you can end up with one or two things. One of two things, right? You either end up with cliques that are in each location, who hmm. you know they feel like they belong to that clique because that's where they feel understood and seen. And you get this, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, as an example, you know, if you have folks in the Philippines or in India or outside of your base country, whether you're U.S., U.K., Australia. South Africa, whatever, like they're almost always like secondary. And Hmm. so they, you know, they're not going to be the leader or in charge or the manager or their trajectory isn't the same. And here, the way that we run things is if you are the best at that thing or for that, that job, you will have that job. Some of our Hmm. highest ranking, I mean, I don't, again, I'm like, I don't like the idea of ranking and all of that, but you do have to have hierarchy to have organization. And so we do have it like anybody else does, but from a human value perspective, right? I don't see myself as the CEO as more valuable than anybody else in the organization. I just have a different job to do than other people Mm -hmm. have to do. And, you know, it's my job to do that job well. It's Mike's job to do his job well. But some of the highest, you know, levels of managers we have in the team are not based out of the United States, right? So I think that giving everybody equal opportunity to mm-hmm. uh, to grow in their careers and to, because they, again, it's the same values, right? You look everywhere. I've worked and lived and spent time in over 65 countries. I have yet to be anywhere where people don't complain about taxes, politics, not enough time off, not making sure. enough money, worrying about retirement. Like people are are dealing and feeling with this. I mean, they have different, you know, we might have different religions. We might have different cultural practices, but at the end of the day, there's this core human need and that's human, right? And so I think it really comes down to that is recognizing and caring about the humanity of people and that you actually mm. need to embrace that if you want those teams and the one other thing is that it's not always easy to employ everybody everywhere. There are sometimes cost, you know, prohibitive things and et cetera. But even if part of your team are contractors, give them the same benefits, right? Like Safety Wings does this nomad insurance. They do remote insurance where you can easily provide insurance to people you have everywhere in the world. Like if there's, you know, give them PTO, give them sick leave, include them in the yeah. bonus structure. If there's something that their country does in terms of payment or rules and regulations, even if you're not employing, follow those, right? So that they can feel that same security that your employees in your home country, whatever that may be, where your business is originating from, 
that they feel that because that's how inclusion starts, right? Like if Mike gets insurance and, you know, and 401k and all these things, but like this group of people doesn't, then yeah. your equality and equity, because equity and equality, equity, right? Because like, again, mm -hmm. not every place, like some places have great healthcare systems, right? So if we're employing sure. somebody in the EU, healthcare is a lot less uh, important than when you're in the US and you're like, sure. mm, healthcare is really expensive. And like, this is a priority to me, right? Or we don't have a great, you know, social security is a small amount. So 401k is going to be really important where other countries have good pensions. And so you've got to look at that broader picture and it might not all be equal or um, mirroring of the same benefits or, but that whatever is meaningful in that place that you provide that to those people. And that's how you integrate people and give them what it is they want out of their work because it's the same thing whether they're working for a you know the philippines team whether they're working for a philippines company or you know a u.s company yeah you know it's interesting so there are some things uh that sound like it should be fairly consistent across the entire team right hey listen uh, we employ, we have a strengths-based culture and growth will happen for those that are remarkable at the role with no geographic restrictions on that, right? Uh, and then on the other side, uh, we will, uh, you know, customize or tweak our benefits uh, based on what's meaningful to specific cultures or regions, right? So there's a little bit of like, how can we do stuff, you know, how can we, you know, provide inclusion across the board universally? And then what does it look like that's regional specific? And ha having a balance of both uh, is, is critically important, it sounds like. Exactly. And another part of it, too, I mean, last part I want to throw in there, because I, you know, it there's an expense to doing it, but we use like the predictive index. We have this amazing consultant we work with out of mm. Seattle. His name is Zach Adams. And, you know, we work on, um, you know, looking at the profiles and looking at cognitive and to get also the people in the right spots, get the right people working together. And so when you're looking at taking care of people, and this is whether you have a globally distributed or just, you know, a team in one region, really looking at that human aspect of people's needs, I think is going to be important as, you know, if you think about what our employees are going through right now, there's a lot of um, existential fear. There are a lot of job cuts. The market is like, we can't deny the space that it's in. Yeah. And so I think that considering that setting them up to win we can only do so much some of us are very small businesses so when it's like you know i see a lot on linkedin about you have to give people this and you have to give people that it's like yeah if you're a 12 person company that might be kind of hard to do like you do your you do your best but i mm -hmm. think things like psychometric testing is a great way to get in and figure out who people are and how they work to help them mm -hmm. to succeed without having to have all these elaborate programs that you just don't have the budget or hours to develop because you're a growing agency or partner solutions partner. Right. I mean, you have to right size these types of recommendations and strategies, right. To the, you know, yep, to reality, exactly. all right. The size of our team, the budget of our team, et cetera. Um, now let me, uh, let me transition a little bit. Obviously this feels like a, a big bet uh, that you've already made, but you want to continue to double down on uh, in 2023 yep. and beyond. Uh, it certainly sounds like a lever to pull as it relates to offering, you know, uh, customized, advanced, technical, complex solutions at scale uh, and at uh, an appropriate price point. Um, uh, but it can't be the only lever. Um, so how right. else, how else, you know, what is your team going to market with? Uh, and how are you going to be able to operationalize, you know, uh, that sort of uh, service at the desired price point? No, that's a great question. And yeah, you know, we have two different approaches we're taking right now to this. And so 
Um, clearly, productization is not a new term or a new idea. Um, uh, lots of partners are doing that. Um, we're looking at some very deep productization. And so, you know, we're rolling out a, uh, a marketplace for that uh, called the Hub Club that will also focus on education to go along with these products so that if people would like to attempt to do these things themselves, like we recently rolled out a course, the entire, every step I took to build our ATS, at least version one, we've updated it since then, but version one of our ATS in HubSpot, we have a course that gives you the Loom videos on how to do it, written out instructions, and then IORADs that can actually allow you to click through your own HubSpot instance to build. And so like we are producing that for people, but the productization piece, I think what's really important to remember is like, like you said earlier, we have these really complex solutions, right? But the reality is they aren't all that different, right? And so how do you, and this goes back to one of the first points I made about functional delivery and really investing in your, assembly line, if you will, right? Like, how do you make it so everybody doesn't have to be an expert, that everybody doesn't have to be this, you know, some people have the, you know, have the skill of being really strong in conditional logic and imagining all the things that HubSpot can do. And some people are really great at just fulfilling a process that needs to be done, right? Like in our predictive index stuff, those are operators. Give an operator a process, some of, I mean, and that's how we you know, we're able to have the early success we did as a marketing agency before we became hmm. a solutions partner with HubSpot was how did we create a system where rather than having to make everybody a problem solve, uh, you know, an expert, you know, conditional logic problem solver, how do you isolate the variables that you're dealing with? Because that's what we're dealing with with each customer, right? That's what we're working through is your variables. Like if you want to automate a business process, we have the, we have triggers, we have conditions, we have actions, right? And so how do you create a way to extract that information in a repetitive way that almost moves more towards, which is where I think things will go during this, you know, recessionary period um, yeah. is commoditization, right? Less mm. on like, oh, look at all of our, like, you know, like look at our elite ranking or our diamond ranking. I think that, during times like these, people are going to look at price, right? Like they're going to look at ROI and they're going to look at price. And so if you do not have repeatable systems where you can have those who are less experienced and in turn less expensive, be able yeah. to deliver and every single, you know, headcount who delivers something that is, because that's what people are going to need more of too. In my opinion, again, this goes back to that functional. They're going to need that intense, smart automation. I mean, I just hopped off of a workshop call with one of our consultants where we're extracting all of that information. But then guess what? That consultant does not have to go through and push every single button on that build. If you can have great systems for disseminating that information and getting everything implemented and put mm -hmm. together. And so I think that when you're looking at productization, you can't just say, cause lots of partners have, okay, we do this onboarding but then we have to consider all the variables that our customers have. So when we're looking at the productization, part of it is identifying what the clients need and giving that to them as a solution. The next part of it is, how am I going to deliver this in an efficient way, which mm -hmm. involves repeatable processes? I mean, the amount of hours, Mike can say this, like the amount of hours the last, you know, for myself, like the last four months, I mean, I pretty much work until bedtime every night building, you know, video libraries and documentation and schematics and just really putting in 
as much as we can on both the revenue driving side and the delivery side of things to how do you get somebody to be effective and to be a, um, to be able to deliver something, you know, that is a value to the customer and the company in a short period of time. You can't do that mm-hmm. if everyone has to be a full HubSpot expert because it's just, you know, there's so much to know. How are you going to learn that in less than six months, right? And so how do you make someone effective and then continue to increase that effectiveness until maybe they become an expert and are a consultant. Maybe they fulfill their whole lives and they're happy doing that. Someone like me, you ask me to push the, whole, the same buttons my whole life, I'm going to be miserable. Other people, yeah. they are going to be delighted. And again, that's where the psychometric getting the right people into yep. those seats is important to this process. It sounds like it's like the compartmentalization of task ownership based on the strengths or what's going to drive the effectiveness of each individual on the team. Maybe let me ask you this. Um, you know, when I think about productization, you've kind of alluded to this too, right? It's uh, I've always kind of visualized like, yeah, rinse and repeat tasks, those that can be completed on an assembly line, fairly straightforward. And so what you're looking to build with Hub Club uh, is like challenging that notion and saying like, no, we can actually do some some more advanced solutioning through the same sort of delivery model. And so you had mentioned, uh, uh, you know, all right, let's compartmentalize the task structure. And there are folks that are great at uh, reviewing the variables, understanding the conditional logic and like putting forth kind of what their recommendation is. How do you, how do you productize that knowing that each prospect customer that goes through that is going to need something you know wildly different unique bespoke how do you best assembly line ask that part of the process yeah absolutely so at the moment um what we're in the process of building so right now we still have a human being who extracts that information but then can disseminate that out right which still makes it a lot more effective than if and this is where again like in our hub club and our currency we have in there we break down like we have four or five different cost buckets so We don't Hmm. do anything hourly with our customers because let's be, I mean, there is no, you know, there are economic advantages to having a dispersed, you know, a globally distributed team. Like there's like, we're not going to hide from that and act like we're not considering that fact of it. You can do that though, in a very, you know, in a very positive and, um, you know, considerate and good way, but there is a cost saving that we can pass on to our customers. And so, Um, that I think is a part of it, but when we're looking at how we take the complex and make it simple, like right now, what we're doing is taking that from our consultants and passing that through, but where we are going and what we're in the process of doing right now is creating, um, automations and processes for extracting, you know, if a customer wants the lowest price to be able to, um, actually guide them through that process, which takes a lot of thoughtfulness, which takes a lot of thinking through for this specific solution, what are all the variables? What are all of the conditions? How do you say it in a way that makes sense to the customer, right? Because they don't speak Mm -hmm. our inside baseball of like, you know, you send someone like, what do you want in your lead scoring? And they're like, what? Or like- Let's take a step back on that. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, yeah, like what, what workflows do you want? It's like, I don't know what workflows do. And so like getting it so that to the point, which is what we're getting very close to, where a customer can actually opt out of getting, you know, getting that consulting so that they can save themselves quite a bit on the cost of delivery and being able to extract that information through a very well-designed, you know, CX, you know, customer experience of getting that information collected, allowing them to have the option that if they Hmm. need to talk to somebody for just a couple of hours, again, rather than having this 
beefed up pricing because we're assuming we're going to spend 20 hours with you. Let's have you do this work and then let's go ahead and if you just need a couple of hours of help, we'll get you that couple of hours. And so then the teams that are delivering again, so you don't re require the conditional logic. Again, this is where it takes a lot of thinking and work and time. Yeah. And, you know, as founders, as team members, being able, being willing to invest in, you know, we have, you know, in the new year, uh, head of education starting where we are, you know, we have another person in our team as well, who is, you know, we have resources that we are putting a lot of time that is unbillable right now into something. So we're making an investment and making that big bet on how do we make it so that both the client can give us the information and then a pod of people who deliver, let's say ABM setup and automation, right? How do they know all the information that they need so that if they don't know all the information that they need, they can go get it and they know that they don't have it because they know what has to be there. And then they can fulfill that. Because again, we have experienced this in delivering extraordinarily complex, like full on, like before we were in the HubSpot world, like, you know, doing all of these like super automated, segmented marketing campaigns through Zapier, setting up really complex website systems and doing yeah. this with, with people who might not be able to design that system themselves. But if you teach them the variables, like I remember when we, we have a segment of our team we call the Code Bros, and they are, and one of them is our original, you know, our original reacher. He's been with us for six years, and uh, when we started, you know, when we started hiring, and just, you know, like teaching him all the variables of WooCommerce, and it took me running through it twice to where every time we did a WooCommerce setup when we were WordPress focused, like he knew the exact variables that he was coming to me for those, right? And sure. so. Would that necessarily have been something that he, you know, again, some of us are delivery, some of us are solvers. And I think both parties have a ton of value yeah. to offer any organization. So how do you make it so that the customer can give the, uh, the builders what they need without having to have three dozen hours of consulting time, just because really you haven't thought through, like, I love math, like what's the lowest common denominator here, right? Like what are all of the possible conditionalities, but then how do you deliver that in a way that's not going to make a client's head explode and maybe, you know, exploding head emoji of like, what are you asking me? Right. And yeah. so, and one of the tools we're using for that to give another plug to some folks that I really, really enjoy working with out there is the arrows team, right? Like their platform sure. really empowers a lot of uh, customer guidance based on very integrated automation with HubSpot. You know, it's a good, uh, it's a, another uh, seed to plant uh, uh, in regards to the Arrows team. There may be an episode of Agency Unfiltered in the not so distant future uh, talking to those folks. Um, so thanks for the tee oh. up without even asking you to tee that up. That was great. Um, now it's interesting, right? Uh, I don't know, uh, getting a solutions architect on the call and, uh, you know, all right, let's do some tech stack auditing and evaluation, kind of scope out and consult technically what, what needs to happen. Yeah, that's a laborious process. And for the, the client on the receiving end, it's an expensive process. What you are saying is that like, okay, how can we actually uh, tr transform that into maybe a self-guided experience as a cost savings? Maybe we supplement this customer or prospect with education so they're uh, more effective at giving us what we need, again, as a cost savings. Um, so it's, again, challenging, I think, what the, what the normal means of extracting that information from, from a customer or business uh, tends to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yep. Let me ask you this. Uh, two words that I've heard um, come up uh, in this conversation. One was async, which it sounds like the kind of the, the self-guided tour would allow this to happen asynchronously. You also said currency. 
Uh, tell me more about that. Yeah. So in our, um, in our hub club, we have, you know, we're actually making, you know, some final adjustments now because we're going to have all of our products available as like a buy now type of solution. So we, and a lot of what we focus on as well is working really well with HubSpot reps and uh, HubSpot CS folks, right? So we've mm -hmm. been creating some tools for them. Hub Club is going to allow them to get super straightforward buy now onboarding or point solutions that people need post sale when they're coming to CS without having to send the client down the, oh, hey, you know, you've got to go interview three different agencies and go through this whole sales process and get all of these, you know, do the RFP, mm -hmm. all of that. If they, I mean, and for some, that's going to be a fit and that's going to be what they want, but a lot of it is geared towards that. But the point of the hub coin is that, you know, when we look at our services and the cost buckets that we have, let's be honest, an hour of my time, an hour of Mike's time does not cost the agency the same amount of money as somebody who is based out of wherever they are, where the, you know, what I always look at is this, because we always have like pay parity. We're very important, like the mm -hmm. equity on that's important, right? And so cost of living in the U.S. is about two and a half to three times the cost of living in somewhere like Cape Town, right? The cost of living in the U.S. is about five times the cost of living in somewhere like the Philippines, right? So like, let's just take that number and just consider all of that, right? Like in cost of living in Colombia, cost of living in India, right? And so again, and that is city dependent. I mean, and the same thing in the U.S., right? Like if I live in sure, San Francisco. Right. I mean, there's some, very, there's some slight variables to it, but sure, right. Way Way different, right? But like, I, why should I charge you a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars an hour for someone to make a landing page, for someone to make an email, for somebody mm -hmm. to make a CTA, for somebody to enter and create your custom properties, to upload a spreadsheet? Like, why, you know, for me, I understand why, if that's all the resources you have, cost that much. I understand why someone, you know, charges that. Our model is. We want people to be able to like, so point of that with the hub coin is when you're the reason we don't sell hours in the hub club or will not be selling it is that a hub coin, if you need something from the lowest, you know, cost bucket that we have, which is going to be somebody who might be newer or just location based expenses mm -hmm. lower, like you might get three hours of work out of a hub coin, right? Like if you need to talk to me or one of our top consultants, you might get 20 minutes out of a hub coin, right? So it's really dependent on what it is you need and who is going to be doing that. And so that's the reason we set it up that way. And everything that we deliver has recipes and formulas for who is delivering what so that we understand what that cost is to us so that we can reflect that. I mean, and that's always been ever since I started Digital Reach as a web and marketing agency that transformed into a HubSpot solutions partner who's moving into mm -hmm. being a managed solutions hub where we're focusing on other systems that play with HubSpot and being able to set up the full stack for people to get them what they need. Like that is um, another direction that another, another part of our growth strategy and one of the big bets that we're, that we're making. But I love the democratization of availability of services, right? Because when we look at what happens in especially recessionary times, those are the times that the Walmarts knock out the mid-market businesses, that the mid-market businesses knock out the SMBs, right? So part of our goal as well is one of a value system where like, I want these services to be accessible. Accessibility is something 
that is an overall value to both Jen and I and, and equity and all of those things. And so how can we also make the services accessible? So it's not only about a company win and being able to, again, because the definition of commoditization is when brand and unique value propositions fail to matter because it becomes a price thing, right? That's what, mm -hmm. that's what Walmart has done largely is they've commoditized. Like if you go to, you know, Walmart, like, are you going to pay $2 more for the brand name can of beans than you do the Walmart can of beans? Probably not because beans are a commodity. And so mm -hmm. there are aspects that are not commoditizable, but I think the parts that are, they can be, and I think the market's going to demand it, and it's going to give access to SMBs, to mid-market companies that can't afford an eighty dollars to $100,000 retainer. But why yeah. can't they have when they need it most because their competition is going to be able to have the space to undercut them? How do we support them in being able to win as well? So it's a business initiative, but it's also a, like, I, I like to help everybody and i would love you know that's why we're very smb and mid-market focused is that we want to help those companies win because those companies employ people right they fail we're not just talking about a business owner who that person's important to but we're talking about all the people who enjoyed working there as well so it's you know that's important to us too yeah no it's it uh it sounds like for every service uh you know, there's there's naturally going to be like a blended rate of who's involved in making that uh, service happen. And so the Hubcoin allows like some standardization from like, a, all right, what's the cost uh, of these things? Uh, but it also sounds like a means for installing an accessible, I think, you, uh, accessible value system to make these services approachable uh, for even those, you know, the SMBs and, and those that, that still need the services, but don't have, you know, endless wallets or pockets sure right yeah i mean we built up this agency super quickly to platinum status at, at, an, at a healthy margin offering really affordable equitable yeah. services to people you know it can be done it is just a matter of it takes a lot of the and i don't want to say people don't want to do hard work a lot of it is time i mean i i don't have kids right and like my my wife is in the same business so i don't have a spouse who's like oh my goodness, get off of the computer already. Like you are unavailable Monday through Friday, right? Like right. she's doing the same thing. And so I know that it's not the same for everybody. Um, so I don't want to try to say that like, oh, we're willing to work harder than, but that, that's just where our focus is right now. Sure. And where we're, we're putting our, our time and energy and is making, and like, we also have a, you know, for like HubSpot reps and also for end users and very much borrowed from, and I'll give a shout out to Marcus Sheridan because he's just amazing. But, you know, working on a builder that, again, takes into account the same value system that the HubCoin does so that people can actually build out a somewhat custom HubSpot build, including, you know, adding custom APIs, adding, adding extra workflows, extra databases, extra integrations without having to talk to us. It's an asynchronous system that, you know, yeah. if a HubSpot rep wants to help somebody get to their pricing, again, without having to go through, right, right? Like they have their goals, we have ours, they don't always align. So how do we help them reach their goals without us getting, potentially getting in the way and making a process take longer? Or what if our, you know, what if our quote's astronomical and right? Like HubSpot yeah. reps are selling software, we're selling services. Like how, how do we make that relationship? And for the end user, if I want to get to know what might it cost me to do this without having, right? Like Marcus Sheridan shared that whole, you know, some of his, uh, some of his uh, statistics that really jumped out to me at uh, inbound this year were like that 80% of the buyer's journey is over before we're talking to somebody. 
And that I forget what the statistic was of people who don't want to talk to sales, right? So how do we- 100%, I think, is the statistic for that. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, Like, how do we allow people, if you never want to talk to us until you're actually, like, solving the problem, like, cool, do that. Go ahead and you will, right now, with it, you're only able to get a quote, but we're working on completing all the back-end work for people to legitimately be able to build out their own custom solution and buy it, and then- their first interaction is post-sale with us. And so that's, you know, the, and again, the whole value system is built into that. So those prices are going to be super reasonable and based on, you know, who we, what we know our cost is to do that work. Uh, We're running up on time. Uh, I do uh, try and wrap every episode uh, with the same question. What's the strangest part about agency life? Um. Man, like strange is such a fun word. And I always hear you ask this. And I, I, I typically hear people like be like, yeah, man, how do I, how do I answer this question? And I like, I think that the strangest part of it is just the human dynamic of it, which I know I talk about that a lot. I'm very like passionate about psychology, human interaction, but just like to think of the fact that like, you know, somebody comes to HubSpot for software and then HubSpot refers them out to us, a couple of other people, and Mm -hmm. that like the emotional part of it that like they're handing off to us, building out their business processes. It's not just like in marketing where we're running your campaigns or like we're, you know, like we are being entrusted with the change management, with the building, with the technical expertise. And like that relationship to me is something that I find to be one of the strangest things about, you know, being a solutions partner is like, it is a, it is a relatively intimate and deep relationship that you're having to form and build very quickly to gain and maintain that trust, to get it right, to get both parties doing their part. And so the, the human element of it to me, when we're, it's such a business focused task, but it is such a human experience at the end of the day. Yeah, the stakes are strangely high at times, right? Like when you take a step back and, all right, what's the scope of work? You're like, whoa, you know, uh, I'm helping them build their entire business on this platform. Yeah, that's, yeah, good answer. That's strange. It can be strange. Thanks so much for coming on Unfiltered, uh, sharing uh, your your strategies, your approaches for building a distributed global team, fostering a culture of inclusivity across the globe, uh, and also talking through Hub Club and how there actually is an opportunity to productize uh technical, complex uh, solutions. Um, So thanks so much for sharing your insights and perspectives on both fronts. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. It was a great time. For those that have tuned in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.